Hello. Hello. And welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me, your source for news, reviews, recaps, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy. I'm your host, Jenny Carlson. And we have returned, metaphorically kicking in the door to yet <laughs> another year of Cobra Kai and asking, is this the biggest, baddest season yet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And answering ourselves, yeah. Yeah. We did not anticipate being away from the Miyagi-verse for this long. We took an extended hiatus, but... We did still watch the show many times. Everyone is fine. I'm fine. Jenny's fine. RV the dog is fine. We have taken on perhaps a bit too much work in life, but mm. all the same, we are doing well. And the good thing is, this has given us time to watch the news flow in mm -hmm. about the latest developments in Cobra Kai. And, of course, in the immediate aftermath of the Season 5 drop, we saw the soundtrack come out mm -hmm. for that season. It is wonderful. We got it on There's vinyl. There's another Cobra Kai video game that came out. There is another Cobra Kai video game that came out. It is also fun. Um, we also know that the next season coming of Cobra Kai will be the last season. Uh, yes. Hot news alert from uh, a few weeks ago. A few Cobra months Kai ago. Cobra Kai is... Months have weeks as well. They do. Cobra Kai season six will be the sixth and final season, which puts an endpoint on the series, although not on the Karate Kid story, because I still think there's the musical and then there's another movie of some kind in the ether somewhere. We know that that there is like a theatrical release scheduled as something that is related to the existing Karate Kid story. Indeed. And there's been a lot of rush to analyze what that is. And during his book tour, Ralph Macchio was asked, and he said, we'll talk about that when it's time for it. So despite denials from some who are part of the Cobra Kai production team, it sounds like this might be perhaps related to Cobra Kai season six, maybe a theatrical release of a finale of some kind. Yeah, maybe they'll do like uh, they just announced at Star Wars Celebration and they'll do some sort of cobra kai movie as a like or a theatrical event as an end cap on the season that would be or, fantastic yeah or as an end cap on the series as a whole but who knows what it is or that's be the thing it's all in production more stranger things style like the uh, maybe the premiere will be a couple of episodes bundled we've seen that before with cobra kai and if they did it in wide release that would be pretty fun uh, sure i'll be there yeah so we know that the sixth and final season is coming mm -hmm. the showrunners released as you have likely seen a lovely statement saying that this is the end of cobra kai but it's not the end for the miyagi verse yes once again using the word we coined way back in episode one millions of years ago eons yes. eons, eons even. billions and billions yeah so that puts an end cap on cobra kai the series which as a recap show for Cobra Kai, it kind of puts a end cap on us. Not at like a stop, but definitely like a pause. We will change our state. Yes, exactly. But that's okay, because at least we now know how many episodes we need to do. <laughs> at least. And all sorts of other things. Uh, and of course, we might slide a bonus episode into the feed every now and then just to... Uh, you know, wake everybody up. To zag when you expected us to zig. Other items of news. So we know that the writers have been writing. They went back to work early, and I think production was supposed to start as early as May, but that depends because Hollywood is cruising straight for a writer's strike. Ah, uh, yes. Our TV writing friends have told us that they are voting to strike, and they expect a strike to happen. So mm -hmm. it all depends on where the drafts are with Cobra Kai, um, and I have no doubt that 
this team of folks is super cool and will make everything happen as well as it can under these circumstances. It just may not happen as early as we expect. Yeah, and given the previous seasons, we want them to do it right. So, And we also want everybody to get compensated fairly for their labor. So if we have to wait an extra couple months uh, for a sixth season of Cobra Kai, you won't hear us complaining. We'll just uh, slide in a couple of those uh, bonus episodes I just mentioned. Other items of interest from around the Miyagi-verse or Miyagi-verse adjacent, the young cast of Cobra Kai is getting a lot of buzz right now. Oh, sure. Sholo's Be- Blue Beetle movie just had its first major preview. It looks it sure awesome. Did. Uh, and also Peyton List's show, School Spirits. Oh, okay, yeah. It looks very fun. We have not seen it, but we know that others in the fandom have are reviewing it. And I'm really excited for her because she's so talented. Yeah, it's a fun time. Although it's it's been a weird time while knowing the end is coming. It's exciting to think about this show going out on its own terms in a relatively felicitous place mm-hmm. uh, with all the actors involved, both corporate and talent-wise, all the things. Um, I think it'll be sad, but it's also going to be really empowering to, to think about these folks going out at the height of their game. Oh, yeah, exactly. When I think about all the shows that some were the most amazing shows I've seen in the first season and then every other season just was just kind of a cheaper and cheaper copy i'm very happy for shows like cobra kai that can you know building on what came before and kind of expanding the world in fun interesting ways uh season after season so i'd be very interested to see what happens in season six and we can speculate on that as we get closer but uh it'll be very interesting to see where they take it especially where they leave after season five well and like other franchises we love we could always check back in in another 30 years and Mm. find out that to that our favorite ship has produced an unknown child oh yeah so you know it's possible that in 30 years we'll find out that daniel and johnny had a baby together the legacy sequel is eternal la russo jr yes exactly well on that note i guess we should get right into it shouldn't we that's right we should all right well then let's get in with cobra kai season five episode one long long way from home long long way from home Karate is more than a sport. Within every punch and kick lies centuries of tradition. The name of this episode is Long, Long Way From Home. And if, like one of your two hosts, you've read a certain amount of Belgian comic books, you might have thought that refers to Lucky Luke, the poor lonesome cowboy. But in fact, it is the Foreigner song I'm pretty sure that this show is referring to. And... Miguel is a foreigner in Mexico, and so is so are Johnny and Robbie. They're a long, long way from home. Yeah, and Chosen is a foreigner in the United States, also a long, long way from home. But, but since he's there with Daniel, he's family. We open with what appears to be a commercial narrated by Terry Silver. It's a new era at Cobra Kai. Come join us. Yes, sir! We open cold on some Terry Silver voiceover mm-hmm. as we see images of the Cobra Kai kids training. This is the all-new Cobra Kai flagship store that we will come to know this season. This episode was written by the great Michael Jonathan Smith, and it was directed by Joel Navoa and Stephen K. Tsushida. 
we're getting footage of the previous season's tournament. And we're starting to get some weird little graphical overlays here. And it becomes apparent after a few moments that we're actually watching a commercial for Cobra Kai. Yeah, we've got Terry giving the hard sell for Cobra Kai. It has a Gatorade commercial aesthetic. You know, Terry is saying that all you need is the right teacher. I think this made the rounds on social media on the run-up to the season five premiere. But now we get the full thing here as the official opening of the season five premiere. You can be one of our flagship students. More locations opening soon. And as Terry tells the camera, it's a new era at Cobra Kai. Come join us. We pan out to see the Cobra Kai font, new font for a new Cobra Kai. Completely different color scheme. It's kind of weird. I believe that font is No Mercy Bold. That is indeed No Mercy Bold. Actually, I think someone on Twitter did find that font. If Twitter still exists when you're hearing this, see if you can find that tweet. Yeah, if you're a font pedant, I'm sure it's very interesting. Indeed. Cut to the LaRusso Mance, where we see someone swimming in the pool as Chosen's theme plays. And of course it is yeah. Chosen! This also has a bit of a Gatorade commercial aesthetic, <laughs> I'm noticing. Amanda's walking around outside the house, gathering towels, and a man walks up, i.e. Chosen, and gets out of the pool. Amanda gasps, <gasps> and he greets her. Oh, good morning, Amanda-san. Even though we don't see the goods, clearly he's nude. That's right. Chosen is taking a dip when Amanda walks out collecting towels. Turns out that dip was of the skinny variety. And yes, Yuji has told some interview that is a butt double. Glad to know that. I think it was Entertainment Weekly that he told. Anyway, in the kitchen, Amanda tells Daniel, You didn't tell me he was going to be living with us. And you definitely didn't say anything about him being a nudist. <laughs> and Daniel protests, He's not a nudist. He's just a man of routine. Again, this maddening assurance of Daniel's. Instead, Chosen is a man of routine. He bathes in the hot spring every morning in Okinawa. Walking around naked is not a good look for a man. The male body is utilitarian. It's like a jeep. That's right. Amanda gets the late bulletin that now Chosen is enjoying the Fonzie arrangement that Robbie once clearly enjoyed. Amanda, however, is not having it. But it's not just about Chosen. Amanda's mad because Daniel can't let go of his fight with Cobra Kai. And I appreciate Amanda's dialogue here because she delivers a realist point of view, right? You said the All Valley was the end of it. Nobody got hurt. Chris even went to jail. The tournament was supposed to settle everything. The kids are moving on. It's a karate miracle. So why pursue this if all the things that they needed settled are finally settled? Yeah, if the kids are all right and there's no chasm in the classroom, then what is there left? Are the kids all right? Daniel says, Terry Silver in charge and Cobra Kai expanding and now more of a threat than ever. It's a race against evil. The armies of darkness will march all over the face of the earth. You know, he promises Amanda that he won't put their kids in danger. And Amanda thought they'd be having Mai Tais by the pool right now and not watching Daniel's Okinawan assassin use it as his training ground. Ah, well, Daniel is having to backfill his justification saying the only way to keep the kids out of trouble is to beat an elder Cobra Kai, and the only way to do that is with an OG Miyagi-Do. Cut to Suta, Mexico at the bus stop. Yes, at the bus stop, Miguel gets out of the bus in a place with a very different color timing as Spanish guitar music plays. Miraculously, his hair has grown significantly on this two-day bus trip. He's dressed exactly the same as when he got on at the conclusion of season four. There's some water in the distance, and we see some folks milling around where Miguel got off the bus. There's people hawking wares, waiting for something to happen. Miguel's looking at his phone, and of course, there is no service available. Yeah, Miguel makes the first mistake of international travel. He tries to get a cell phone signal, but instead of charging him an exorbitant rate, the phone just says, 
out of service. He greets a kindly Australian man and his stuntman pals who look a lot like extras from Our Flag Meets Death. This Australian surfer guy has big time Reese Darby energy. Now, every pirate captain captains pirates differently. However, their booty is Miguel's pack that they lift off of him while giving him directions in order to extort some quick cash. Yeah, this Australian guy approaches and says, Yeah, no worries. I mean, it's not easy to find your way around here. Miguel asks if they could help him find his way to the location he has associated with his dad. The guy says he can do better than tell Miguel. He can show him, and he whips out this map. What, five bucks out there? Draws the location on his buddy's back. It sounds more than fair. Oh, great. Miguel's super grateful, and the others have begun to crowd around. The rejected pirate asks Miguel for some pesos since it's his map and all. And Miguel's willing, but then the guy says, And how much you want to pay for the bag? Damn it, Miguel, you're smarter than this rookie mistake. They clean him out and welcome him to Mexico. Welcome to Mexico. It's Crawling with Australians. Cut to the next scene on the road. Johnny and Robbie. The song we are enjoying is Via Copia by Moderato, which is a cover of Unskinny Bach. Johnny Lawrence exits his favorite store, the gas station, wearing new sunglasses mini pearl style with the tag attached. Howdy! I'm just so proud to be here. And he's got some choice supplies for the next leg of his road trip with Robbie. He's got Mexican Cokes, a.k.a. Well, as Robbie points out in, I think here they're just Cokes. Mexican candy. So it looks like to be some Mexican stoplight candy, a local cell phone with 60 minutos on it. It's like 300 American minutes. In Johnny math. And got you a little something to say welcome to Mexico. And a toy chihuahua wearing a sombrero and two FBI t-shirts. Still, none of it is quite as offensive as the Mexican episode of Great British Bake Off. Although I don't feel like we should make Mexican jokes because people get upset. Don't tell me it's offensive, it's their idea. This peak dumb dad Johnny here and Robbie can't help but be amused and these actors just exude chemistry together. And Johnny also got Robbie a shirt that says FBI, but if you turn it around, the shirt elaborates that it's a shirt for a female body inspector. Get it? (laughs) Isn't that great? I got one for me, too. This is adorable and slightly twisted, just like fatherhood in Cobra Kai. So Robbie takes the opportunity to ask what they're doing here since they've already been on the road for 500 miles. That's like 200,000 American miles. Robbie is suspicious that this is not the father-son road trip he was promised. Cut to Miyagi-Do. Everyone, gather around. Daniel gathers his former students around on the back deck He says they had one goal, beat Cobra Kai, and while they walked away with the first place trophy thanks to Eli, they're going to keep their word and close the dojo because the rest didn't go their way. Daniel breaks the news that they had one job at the big tournament, and they blew it. And you blew it! Due to the terms of the bet, we're now shuttering Miyagi-Do indefinitely. Yeah, Sam looks downward. She's clearly feeling like this is on her, and Dimitri, Eli, and she, the rest of the crew, they all look appalled. Daniel says that Miyagi-Do lives in each and every one of them, but Dimitri laments that now he'll need a summer job. That's right. I guess the inner Miyagi-Do can't save you from that. Now Miyagi-Do is going to have to live in each and every one of them somewhere else. GTFO, Daniel says. And everyone but Sam sidles off. Sam's like, I just want to make things right. It's all my fault. No, Sam. Daniel returns that it's not. Because this isn't about a tournament anymore. This isn't your fight, Sam. Yeah, Daniel takes the blame himself, which he should, right? What they did was not fair last season, having the kids fight their proxy war 
against John Kreese and Terry Silver. Daniels tells Sam this is real life, and even though Sam insists that she could fight, Daniel says Terry Silver isn't above putting kids in harm's way, and he asks Sam to trust him. And of course, she stalks off. As Sam is often want to do. I just want to say, Ralph Macchio's bringing the goods here. Actually, both of them are. He and Mary really are doing some good work in this scene where, you know, he's not splaining Daniel, he's insistent Daniel, and drawing a line. Yeah, he's not Dan splaining to anyone. Cut to Once Upon a Time in Mexico at Castillo Escondido, a bar. Yeah, Miguel enters this suspicious space packed with suspicious-looking stuntman and raises some questions and stirs up a lot more trouble. I could almost hear the cantina theme from Star Wars playing right now. Mm, mm-hmm. Nothing like a good cantina. If only there were a tiny mouse person and the wolf man. And that devil guy. Yeah, I wonder how Miguel found out about this bar. I don't know. I don't remember if we got those details, and I don't think we did, how he knows that it's connected to his dad. But he walks in looking for some kingpin, and he hears someone saying his dad's name. And so he walks toward a back room where some tough-looking dudes are seated playing cards and drinking beer. And there's a guy with a cowboy hat who appears to be in charge. However, this rust customer tells Miguel that he is not, in fact, Carmen's baby daddy. Miguel tells this guy his mother's name and expects him to recognize her. And the man is surly back at Miguel. And he asks if Miguel has something wrong with his head, tells the guy at the door to throw Miguel out. But being a karate genius, Miguel blocks him. And the kingpin offers Miguel a beer. Miguel pushes back, saying, but you knew my mom in Ecuador. And befitting the cantina scene, the guy tells Miguel he's not the man he's looking for. He's never met a Carmen Diaz. He tells Miguel to get out, and Miguel obliges. He's never even met a Carmen Diaz. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> come, come for the recap, stay for the dad jokes. I really appreciate the work that Shola's putting in in this scene, because... You know, first of all, he's endangering himself by dropping a lot of biographical information because mm-hmm. he doesn't understand how at risk he is. But secondly, like, this is the farthest Cobra Kai's ever gone. Well, beyond Okinawa. Cobra Kai is expanding the world of the Miyagi Burst beyond the valley, beyond even Okinawa to Mexico. And, oh gosh, who knows where they're going to go next. This Indeed. Be great. Cobra Kai season six, Cobra Kai in Francais. Yeah, there you go. They fight with baguettes there. Yeah, they do. <laughs> At any rate, Miguel stalks off, having been thoroughly insulted by this man. We cut to the Eagle Fang Mobile. Yeah, Robbie is upset that this turned from a fun road trip into a catfishing expedition. Come on, Robbie, let's go down to Mexico together. Come back with some stories. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. But this has turned into something of a double-edged sword, as he is now willing to take Robbie charging in where logic fears to tread. Yeah, Johnny says he's done leaving Robbie behind, and then elaborates on this big plan. He knows Miguel's dad's name, he knows where the bus dropped Miguel off. What do you plan on doing? I'll ask around if anyone saw Miguel. We come up dry, I'll check the Mexican phone book. An 80s solution for an 80s guy. Oh my god. You drove me over a thousand miles to check a phone book? Robbie says they might as well put Miguel's face in a milk carton. Is that is that still a thing? They still do that? Completely over it, Robbie says. He could be home with Tori right now. Okay, so that's one thing from last season that's carried over, right? Robbie and Tori, still an item, because it's only been two days. They're still technically an evil power couple, even though one of them is arguably not so evil anymore. <laughs> Johnny says that he thought this road trip would help 
Robbie and Miguel make up, well, provided they find him. Unfortunately, at this point in the info dump is when they get run off the road by a truck that almost sideswipes them. Johnny's trying to be a reasonable father, but of course he's taking his eyes off the road to make his point. The kindly instrumental of Johnny's theme turns into a rock jam as he swerves to miss a truck and they run off the road. Yeah, see, he should have obeyed Mr. Miyagi's advice there and... Wait, no, if you look eye, then you run off the road. Oh, damn. Then you squ- squish like, just like grape. Just like grape. Oh, exactly. Miyagi's driving school. <laughs> Coming wow. soon to Netflix. Yeah, that's actually the spinoff that <laughs> no one spin-off. tells you about. That's it. That, yeah. That's tightly under wraps. Counterbalance Netflix, get at us. Honestly, I would watch a Pat Morita-esque figure run a driving school I, you know, in character, Sister Miyagi, all day, every day. We can have a 10-episode treatment on your desk by Monday morning. Call us. Yeah, email us. We're here. KarateKidPod at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Cut to the LaRusso manse where Daniel and Chosen are in the middle of a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Regarding Terry Silver. Daniel and Chosen are watching the Cobra Kai ad that we saw at the beginning on Daniel's massive screen TV. Still intact, this TV. The TV rarely gets broken at the LaRusso manse, so not out of the question. Daniel says, this is what we're up against. Terry Silver is some kind of philanthropist out to save the kids of the valley. But that's not what Terry Silver really is. No, Daniel, in fact, says that they need to cut the head off the snake. Chosen then whips out his sigh and explains that he's ready. Yeah, no, no, I didn't mean literally cut his head off. Yeah, Chosen pulls those sighs into frame, but Daniel insists they're not literally going to cut Terry's head off. But Chosen then elaborates on all the things that size can do. They're not for cutting. They're for blocking and stabbing, crowing and gouging. Okay, still, please. Daniel asks Chosen to put away his weapon before Amanda sees, but hey, she was already at the poolside in that first scene. Hey-o! hey That chaotic Chosen has come to play. And Daniel wants to expose Silver, but they have to be careful. Chosen counters that who has two thumbs and everyone has to be careful around him. This guy. Cut to home dojo where said same Sam is reenacting her fight with Tori. Sam's moving through the defense she used against Tori at the tournament while flashing back to the end of that fight. And she walks over to her laptop where the fight is open on a YouTube window. Which is weird because YouTube only has the first two seasons of Cobra Kai. In California, there's dash cam footage of everything, even when there are no dashes in sight. Oh, I see. So Sam sees Tori take her out as the referee declares Tori winner. Then she looks up at the wall behind the laptop where Daniel's original gi is hanging. Yes, Daniel's original gi, a powerful symbol emblazoned with the bonsai tree of Miyagi-Do. Bonsai tree. And at this moment, Sam's cell phone buzzes. Miguel? And it's Miguel. Hey, Sam. Yeah, she gets an international call from Miguel who... Probably wised up and got a Mexican SIM for his phone. Otherwise, someone's going to have to foot one hell of a bill for this call. Sam's almost frantic to answer because no one's been able to find Miguel and everyone's been so worried. And Miguel tells Sam for reasons that don't make any sense. Yeah, well, I know if I told you I was going, you'd try to stop me. Yeah, he uses his precious, precious minutes to explain to Sam that his whole flight of fancy is taking longer than expected. Sam is... Of course, gobsmacked, explaining no one wanted Miguel to do the stupid and dangerous thing that he did. Insert Sam, that's why you're calling? Carmen's so worried, etc. 
Miguel responds that that's exactly why he didn't ask permission. Sam reminds Miguel that Carmen and Rosa left Ecuador to get away from his dad for a reason, and she can't believe Miguel hasn't even asked her about the tournament when he knew what it meant to her to face off against Tori. Yeah, Sam wants to know if Miguel ever considered her feelings when she was trapped in the fight of her life with her vicious rival and the fate of two dojos on her shoulders. Miguel accuses Sam of making his drama about her. How are you making this about you right now? I'm not. I just thought you'd be in my corner. Okay, well, what about my corner? She doesn't need his drama. She's got enough drama to make a Twitter buyout look like a grade school picnic. That one smarts. It's a lot of drama. She's got drama bigger than a llama. She's no drama llama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> oh, that's definitely going in. Miguel can't believe that Sam's making this about herself. Sam, how, how are you making this about you right now? Jeez. I'm not. I... And Sam thought Miguel would be in her corner. Of course, Miguel retorts, there are more important things than karate. And Sam understandably hangs up. There are more important things than karate, Sam. Yeah. There. You've passed the test, okay? <sighs> but barely. Oh you know what you got. Okay. What I get? F plus. Click. So on Miguel's side, while they were talking, a man walks out of the bar Miguel had been in earlier, walks toward the dumpster to throw some things in the trash. Another guy f- follows him out and calls him Hector. And Hector seems like a really pleasant guy. He's saying they have to give the guy who usually takes out the trash a break because they've just had a baby. He seems like the version of a dad Miguel would like to have. I want to meet that dad. Cut to the Eagle Fang mobile where Johnny and Robbie are looking for some tools. Yeah, they're looking for tools in the back of the van to fix the flat tire they got when Johnny ran off the road. And Robbie finds the lug wrench for Johnny. Robbie reminds us of his time living in the car way back at the beginning of season three and asks about the amazing origin of the Eagle Fang Mobile. Johnny recounts the epic tale of taking it on the run way back in Cobra Kai season three, episode two, Nature versus Nurture. The other thing is that Johnny says they found this hunk of junk instead. And so every time I hear hunk of junk, I have to think of Star Wars. What a piece of junk. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. The garbage will do. The Cobra Kai mobile, the fastest hunk of junk in the valley. Which famously made the run from Beverly Hills to Culver City in less than 12 parsecs. Damn! So this gives Robbie some food for thought, though, because he didn't realize that Daniel and Johnny had tried to find him, right? It doesn't fit the narrative of them being losers that he had in his head. Johnny has the opportunity to say that he knows he hasn't been there for Robbie, and he's also made mistakes with Miguel, and... If you're serious about making things right, you can start by helping Miguel. I know you have your fair share of regrets when it comes to him. Johnny says he's out here to fix his mistakes, and if Robbie wants to do the same, he should come along and bury the hatchet or something. They're interrupted by a call from Carmen, who says that Sam heard from Miguel. And Carmen also reminds us that Hector has no clue he has a son, right? Carmen wants to come down there, but Johnny tells her he's got it all under control, obviously. Meanwhile, at the Cobra Kai flagship store, we have Daniel and Chosen sitting in the parking lot watching kids swarming around an outdoor merch table. Daniel laments, Look at that line. You'd think he was giving away Teslas or something. Ooh. Did that joke age well? No. <laughs> but Chosen peeps inside the dojo to see Terry practicing his moves on some stunt performers. Chosen says that he's seen these moves before. The notorious Kim Sung-young of South Korea, 
We can get a flashback to Karate Kid 3 to confirm a Chosen's yeah. hunch. Yes, cue the flashback to Terry Silver coming to Miyagi-Do. Excuse me, my name is Terry Silver. My master is Kim Sung-Young of South Korea. My teacher sends his respects. Daniel thought that was just something Terry made up. But Daniel, 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 don't you know the first rule of improv that the best lies have bits of truth in them, like the delicious cookies and cream of deceit. Cut to the home dojo, where Chosen then lays out an info dump on Kim Sung-Yung. He doesn't know much about why, but he knows that his uncle Sato had much anger toward Kim Sung-Yung. And if Sato thought Kim Sung-Yung sucked... That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Sato knew two things, that Kim Sung-Yung sucked and Mr. Miyagi has no honor. Exactly. Miyagi. Miyagi! Miyagi! You forget... You betrayed me. Daniel doesn't remember Mr. Miyagi ever mentioning this name. But Chosen says that Miyagi left before World War II, and Kim Sung-yeon became known during the Korean War when he taught many American soldiers. Yeah, Kim Sung-yeon was big during the Korean War, giving out all them dirty deets to the American soldiers, like the captain, perhaps? Yeah, well... From the previous flashbacks? Unsurprisingly, right? Chosen says that while Kim was a master of Tang Sudo, an actual karate school, that's not what he taught. His method was controversial. We must be careful. All direct attacks will be recognized. To catch serpent, he must think like serpent. Says Chosen. We will use his style against him. Just know, everyone, as you begin this season, that Yuji Okamoto will steal every scene that he's in. This is true. Cut to the town square in Mexico where Miguel is low-key stalking Hector, or the Hector he spotted in the alley anyway. That's when Hector's kid wanders over into frame, and as he greets him, melancholy music plays as Miguel observes this picturesque scene. Yeah, Hector kisses a woman who Miguel probably takes to be his wife, talks to the little boy that's there, you know, seems to get along great. Miguel is, we presume, imagining the past he didn't have with his father. And elotes are only $5. That's like, what, 60 minutos? Yeah, exactly. So Miguel watches as the little boy kicks a soccer ball around the plaza, and then Miguel kicks the ball up with his own foot, catches it, and gives it back to him. He wants to introduce himself, but the little boy is shy and runs off. This It was great. Of course, we get a soccer ball. Of course, Miguel knows soccer because it's the Miyagi-verse. After the little boy runs off, we hear his mom calling the, his name, and he's Luis. And Miguel watches as the apparent family continues walking through the square. Meanwhile, at Party Beach, where we saw Miguel arrive earlier in the episode... Johnny and Robbie have finally made it to that bus stop, and Johnny offers Robbie a ticket home. Yeah, Robbie's kicking the tire of the Eagle Fang mobile, and Johnny walks up and says that he's got intel, and when the bus leaves, he gives Robbie some cash to cover bus fare, drinks and snacks. Now he's going to go tell... It's like he's sending him off to the movies. Have a good time. Yeah, Now Johnny's going to go talk to the surfers, because the vendor at the bus stop saw Miguel talking to them. Yeah, good luck. Anyway, Johnny apologizes for dragging Robbie into this, and as he walks off, Robbie looks conflicted. Yeah, Johnny's lackadaisical detective work does yield some results. This is when they run afoul of the Australian and his stunt performer cronies. English? Australian? Uh, Good enough. Johnny asks the guy if he's seen a kid. Looking for a kid, 17, Ecuadorian, slight build, but we're working on that. 
The Aussie says, yeah, he gave him directions, and Johnny wants him to tell him which way Miguel went, but the guy says, might be easier if he shows him. The Australians try to run the same scam on Johnny, but Johnny's street smarts and quick reflexes mean that he's soon flexing some muscle and waxing some surfboards with their faces. Johnny's peripheral vision catches the other guy reaching for his wallet. And Johnny spins the guy to the ground, tells him stealing the wallet is a bad idea, and kicks the guy to the side. You know, Johnny wants to know the scam. He assumes it's also a bum address. That's when the Australian guy says, no, the address is real, but I'm going to end up with your money either way. They can do it the easy way or the fun way. There you go, Sonny. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. The easy way. Johnny refuses to fork it over, so they'll resolve it indeed the fun way. Right around then, one of the scammers comes up to choke Johnny with a cable. Yeah, that's when Robbie finds his inner Chris O'Donnell and becomes the Robin to Johnny's Batman. Train me. Let me be your partner. Courage now. Truth always. Batman forever. And they play beach badass bingo with punches. And the music from El Mariachi. Robbie kicks the cable guy in the head and the fight's on as Johnny and Robbie fight off all the surfer rogues with incredible junk kicks and ducks. Yeah, it looks like the variable frame rate cameras are back in service from last season's finale. It culminates in a boombox smash. Won't someone please think of the boomboxes? Yeah. Johnny breaks the ringleader's surfboard, then busts the boombox over his head, and it really looks like the same model of radio that Johnny broke in that state park at the beginning of the original Karate Kid, the Sears SR2100. It's his move, all right, but now Johnny, of course, is breaking boomboxes for good instead of evil. What a satisfying fight. And I really like that Robbie came to that fight after deliberating whether to leave Johnny or not. Meanwhile, on the town square... Miguel continues to follow Hector, his lady, and Luis down the sidewalk when Luis, chasing that soccer ball, darts into the pathway of a car. <laughs> of course, Miguel, being close behind, pushes Luis out of the way, earning the gratitude of the couple. Miguel instantly ingratiates himself to Hector and gets free room and board out of the deal to boot. Yeah, Hector earnestly thanks Miguel, and Miguel's answer reveals his American accent. And Hector also adds that he's lucky their paths cross. Hector here is played by Luis Roberto Guzman, and Luis's mom Maria is played by Elvia Hill. So these are some seasoned actors, right? It's cool that they're on the show. Guzman is from Narcos, right? I believe so. Maria invites Miguel to dinner. Hector insists, saying it's the least they can do. Then he introduces himself as Hector Salazar, indeed the man, and says it's wonderful to meet Miguel. Hector also says he has a feeling that he and Miguel have met before. And Miguel replies that he doesn't think that they have, but Hector says, Maybe you're a stranger, but tonight you're family, okay? It's the Olive Garden, baby. The Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. Hector says he's the Fast and Furious. Everyone's looking for the thrill, but what's real is family. As they walk off, we see the camera shoots them from behind, so we see like Hector with his arm on Miguel's shoulder, Miguel looking charmingly obliged. Hector says, I'm Michael Gross and you're Michael J. Fox and this is Family Ties. Wow. Cut to Playa del Johnny. Yeah, Johnny and Robbie sip drinks and bond over the sunset. Yeah, Johnny's drinking a bottle of beer and Robbie's got a bottle of Coke and they're icing their foreheads with it. Robbie says, We got a good story out of it. Yeah, 
and they both seem satisfied. Johnny tells Robbie he should get on the bus. This is his mess to clean up, but Robbie says he's going to stay. Johnny's trying to make things right, and Robbie wants to help him. Robbie says he is interested in that redemption, if it's still on offer. At least now we know where we're going. He adds, because he's holding up their map and quoting there would be attacker. X marks the spot, right? X never, ever marks the spot. They clink their bottles, and it's so sweet. And, man, you can really feel that, that Billy Zabka has stepped into Johnny, or Johnny has stepped into Billy Zabka here. He seems, like, comfortable in his own shoes. And a bit of a dork, but also a loving dad. But enough of that. It's time for a patented Cobra Kai montage. We have a long road ahead of us. We cut to Terry Silver talking over a montage of our heroes. Yeah, we see Daniel covering the Miyagi-Do sign with a tarp, while Johnny and Robbie happily share quote-unquote Mexican candy on the road. We also see Miguel dining with Hector Luis and Luis's mom, while Daniel greets Amanda by the pool with a Mai Tai. Meanwhile, Terry's voice tells us, Right now, we're strangers. It's summer vacation in the valley, but this is the start of something special. For everyone else, it's summer vacation. But evil takes no holidays. (laughs) That means we'll need more senseis. Terry is auditioning senseis from all the major dojos, Topanga, All-Star, Cutting Edge, XMA, Crunch Karate, and Locust Valley. Is Crunch Karate real? Terry is explaining to the senseis he'll be asking them to do more than what's expected. Which means I'm going to pay more than what's expected. Of course he can. Money is no object. But first, they will all have to prove themselves in the way of the fist. With a small smile on his face, he addresses the last sensei in line, saying, Welcome to Cobra Kai. And the camera cuts to a very determined-looking chosen as we fade to an end snake. Welcome to Cobra Kai. That's all she wrote for Cobra Kai, Season 5, Episode 1. Long, long way from home. Long, long way from home. And with that, Jenny, I turn to you and ask, what did you think of this episode? This episode is really interesting because you can already feel, it's like the weather has changed on the show. Mm-hmm. It's still the same show. It's got all the same beats. Mm-hmm. But all the characters are firm. Like, like I was just saying about Billy settling into Johnny and Johnny and Billy becoming one. All the the cast are, have fully realized their characters. The board is set, the pieces are moving, and things just feel kind of stepped up a notch. There's an urgency, there's a breadth to it. Mm-hmm. They can accomplish a lot in a short amount of time without feeling cheated in some way. And it's really fun. Like there's a, there's a there's a kinetic energy to the first episode that is different, but again, same. What did you think? I agree. That is definitely a great way to summarize it. We're in the fifth year now. And I think that arguably by the second season, everybody was familiar with their characters. And it's just been a case of refining, refining, refining. And now we're getting the most refined, most concentrated version of Cobra Kai that we're getting. This is Cobra Kai in its in its purest form in a in a certain way and you know the photography's on point the action choreography's on point everybody knows their characters inside and out at this stage we're starting to get a hint of new characters entering the fray in the form of Hector but we really don't know a lot about him yet mainly it's just kind of getting us back on board and tying up all the loose ends from season 4 and pushing everybody 
scattering them all out in new directions. And we're just going to have to see how these things pay off in subsequent episodes. But for something that kind of resets the board and is introductory in a lot of ways, it feels familiar. It feels fun. It's classic Cobra Kai all the way down. Absolutely. One thing that's really cool about it is it's got that Cobra Kai trademark hitting some familiar beats in new ways. Like the way that Johnny gets in a fight in the first episode mirrors Johnny's entrance into the show in season one. The way that Robbie comes and saves Johnny in the fight mirrors the way that Daniel saved Robbie in the fight outside the the beach club or whatever it was. Not to be confused with the country club. It's neat to see these characters remixing their old moments in new ways. And, you know, with that fight scene, we see the birth of Johnny and Robbie as as an entity, right? Mm. Same with Daniel and Sam. Daniel is parenting Sam in a way that he hasn't before. He's got all the information. He's not making an ill-informed move. He's making a parental move, given all the facts that they share. So it's interesting to see these actors revisit things they've done before, but in ways that show us that they're truly becoming themselves and able to confront the bigger bads of the whole series. What do you think of the new Cobra Kai? I think it's fun. It's interesting. When we saw Terry remodeling OG Cobra Kai at the end of season four, I assumed that's where we would be picking up in season five. This is now a newer, better Cobra Kai flagship store, as we call it in the recap, but that's how it feels. It doesn't feel like a place where people should be training. It doesn't even really feel like a gym. It feels like a store meant to sell you on Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah. Like it's big illuminated pictures of Terry looking very pensive. It's very slick and modern and... You know, all the, you know, the kind of gym accoutrement are kind of like tucked away in corners to where it's like you don't really see a lot of it directly. It's just a cult of personality. And it's been that way ever since Terry shot that sports car into space. Exactly. So, you know, the deal is, I think that we don't see the original North Hollywood dojo because... That was intended to be a thing for Crease. That's and right. Terry, that was a little Kreese gift of love. Out of the picture, who yep. cares, right? Terry's, yeah. you know, Terry's love language is gifts, but he doesn't love John Crease anymore. He says he doesn't. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll find out. I think that the new Cobra Kai is appropriately scary. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. The show has managed to convince me that all this stuff is possible in Karate Fornia. Mm-hmm. So, of course, now the flagship store is here and terrifying and turning familiar faces into, you know, well-oiled machines of death and destruction, or at least soul death, if not mm-hmm. not body death. It's strange to see all the senseis. It's weird. It's weird to see Chosen talking to Terry Silver on the order of it being weird to see Johnny getting his ass kicked by Terry Silver last season, right? That is true. It seems that one of the brand promises of Cobra Kai as a show is to see all of your Karate Kid and Cobra Kai fanfic dreams come true. And if they haven't given you one of your favorite matchups or one of your favorite character pairings yet, just give it a minute because I I have a feeling we're going to get there in season five. I have a well-informed feeling we're going to get there in season five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, it feels different because People are scattered in, in a lot of different places and there are new relationships being explored. But at the same time, 
it gives you so many payoffs in such a short span of minutes. And I just have to hand it to Amanda, who, you know, has no time for bullshit. And, you know, even if that means that there are still jerks in the world, she's not going to waste her time on it. And it's great to see that return of Amanda realness. And and it makes sense that she would be at odds with Daniel about their new roomie. Exactly. Even though once, once again, Amanda is weaponizing her realness. Although Chosen treats Amanda already with a kind of like a courtly deference. I love it. I think it's great. Didn't see that much of Sam. Not Did, much of the young cast. Beyond, not much of the young cast. Beyond, beyond Miguel, Sam, and Robbie. Yeah. Like, this is really just... Particularly Miguel and Robbie. This was their episode. Yeah. Yeah. And and the young Cobra Kai's as well. Like, we, we saw them in the ad looking very fierce. But we don't know what's going on in their lives yet. Exactly. What was your favorite moment in the episode? Uh, my favorite moment? Mm-hmm. It's hard not to like any of the scenes with Chosen. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you said during the recap, it's like, keep an eye on Chosen this season. It will be difficult not to because he is the manic pixie chaos agent that the show has been missing for a little while. I think that he really spices up every scene that he's in, for sure. He's the scene stealer. That's what they used to say about Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven. And like, he's got that Cheadle energy. Mm, he's got big Cheadle energy. He's got big Cheadle energy. He's he's the, he's the big Cheadle. No, but my favorite scene is undoubtedly when Johnny and Robbie interact, both when Johnny brings the snacks out of the gas station and he's so proud of himself for his dumb t-shirt. And then when he and Robbie are sitting together at sunset and they're dug into this quest for Miguel. Yeah, Johnny thinks he's killing it this episode and he, in a weird way he is. He is because he's being honest and like admitting he doesn't have all the answers. He's letting Robbie be Robbie. He's letting Robbie make his own choices, not trying to tell Robbie how to be. Johnny is not unlike Daniel. He struggled to not tell his child and his karate child how to be. This is the father-son relationship that they deserved and that they earned last season as Robbie went through his growth and, you know, came to Johnny and apologized. And, you know, Johnny told Robbie it would be all right and basically apologized too. So I'm glad that the show doesn't backpedal. It might make Robbie still a little skeptical about Johnny's methods, which we all are, but it's not going to take away that moment, that really well-earned moment of reunion for them. And I'm glad about that. Me too. Speaking of things we're glad about, <laughs> who is your MVP oh, for no. this first episode of season five? I can't believe I have to answer that question first because there are many contenders, right? I mean, Chosen we've already discussed. True. You have to hand it to the Australian man for making this scam look good twice. <laughs> that is that is true. Indeed. Again, big restarvy energy from that guy. My shooting from the hip answer Although, man, you know, without Sholo, they could not have anchored that whole set of scenes in quote unquote Mexico, which is all, which is Puerto Rico. You know, he is selling that entire arc, that entire deal. Mm-hmm. And you know, nothing else in that is familiar to us. So actually, damn, I think I've answered my own question or, or your question because I wanted to give it to Johnny or Robbie, but... While their scene work together is beautiful, they're not doing the same level of emotional work that Sholo and Miguel are doing. So I think that I have to give it to Miguel because even though he's like kind of a jerk to Sam on the phone and and is way too eager 
it fits Miguel's character that he would be. And we wouldn't be in the Miyagi-verse if someone wasn't making a dumb decision, you know, for some reason to figure out more about themselves. Mm-hmm. So, how about you, Colin? Who's your MVP? I was thinking about giving it to Miguel for the same reasons that you cited. Like, Miguel is basically taking everything he learned from Johnny to heart and going with his gut and proceeding with a harebrained scheme with half of a plan and just going, he's just going to feel it out and and try and, and get the thing that he wants without really knowing what he wants or how to get it. And like the dog with the car, once he has it, who knows if he'll know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was almost going to give it to Miguel for those reasons. And that's a very good choice as well. But I think because of those reasons, I'm going to have to ultimately give it to the... To the master, Johnny, for, <laughs> for not only inspiring Miguel to this point. Without Johnny, Miguel would not be inspired to, to do half-baked plans. You know, Johnny is clearly having a lot of fun in this episode. To catch a hairbrain, you have to think like a hairbrain. So Johnny in, is, strangely enough, the best person qualified to track down Miguel That's and true. bring him back to America. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, so yeah, I think I'm going to have to give it to Johnny for being enthused about a Mexican Coke, because obviously, who, <laughs> who, who wouldn't get all the Mexican Coke they could drink if they were actually in Mexico? It's one of the treats of living in a... Border adjacent state. Any state that can import Mexican Coke. Yeah. Everybody loves Mexican stoplight candy. Everyone loves tiny chihuahuas with sombreros. Everybody loves female body inspectors. I mean... Everybody knows what it is to have a dad figure who buys an embarrassing piece of merchandise one way or another. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. He, He is both peak Johnny and peak dad in this episode for that. He is my MVP. I salute you, Johnny. Yes, indeed. Ah, te salutamus, as they say in Latin. Indeed. I went to high school to learn that and say it 20 years later. Lovely. Any other pieces of business before we wrap up today? Well, we got Easter eggs, but first I just have to say respect to your choice. You know, it's... Also, Johnny still kicks ass at karate. He kicked ass in that fight. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, And one thing I loved about the way that he went into that, when the guy reaches for his wallet, like his eye... Like, Johnny is... On one hand, dummy, because he has no time for anything extra that he mm-hmm. sees as extra. Miguel took his Miyagi-Do to heart and backed away from a fight. But, of course, Johnny is pure eagle fang. When every problem has a face, every solution looks like a fist. And Johnny took that to heart and punched his way through to the other side. Indeed, he broke on through to the other side. What is your favorite Easter egg from this episode? Mm, I like Johnny breaking a boombox for good instead of evil this time. I mean, once again, another piece of consumer electronics falls to Johnny's fist, but at least it's doing it in service of a greater cause. Another one I would just like to shout out to is Chosen and the Psy, because Chosen has always been into weapons, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He was into it in Karate Kid Part 2. You know, he's, he brought True. him with, apparently. Like like Raphael, he's a Psy man. I, I gotta respect that. I respect the Psy man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Me, personally, I like the bow staff. <laughs> it's Donatello's favorite weapon. He's pretty much my favorite turtle. Yeah, and you like turtles. I like turtles. I like turtles. Between Chosen and his Psy and Johnny and, his, and the radio, right? Two things that were very scary in their original incarnations. Now, hilarious and working for good. I'm glad that we're here. 
And I'm glad that we've kicked off our new season of the show. That's right. Before we go, I remind you to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice. It really doesn't matter. We're there. Yeah, we're there. Just give us reviews. Give us stars. Give us candy canes or whatever. Whatever the thing that the service wants you to do, do it for us. And it raises our profile, helps the show grow, and we thank you for it. And feel free to send us some emails at karatekidpod at yes. gmail.com. We will answer questions at karatekidpod at gmail.com. It's about time we had a, a new segment. We did cocktails last season. That we was did. a little exhausting. So maybe we do mailbag this season. Letters. We and, get letters. And figure it we out. Sex um, and sex of letters. Yeah. Uh, letters. You can follow us on all extant social media at karatekidpod. Yes. You know. Whether whether that's a Facebook or a Twitter or Mastodon or what well or not a quick, mast quick yeah. establish the Mastodon account. No one knows how to use Mastodon. Let's that's not true. go there. But <laughs> that's why they're extinct. Yeah, they need to bring Google Plus back so oh, we can be on that. Amen. But yes, we're on the major social media platforms. You can find us, you can communicate us, you can check our dank memes. It's all there for you. It's dank. Indeed. Yeah. But that's all she wrote for this episode. So until we come back to you next time with Cobra Kai Season 5, Episode 2, Mole. Mole. I've been Colin Kennedy. I remain Jenny Carlson. Until then, we'll see you around the Miyagiverse. See you around the Miyagiverse. Are You Karate Kidding Me is hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Intro music is by Chepo. Cobra Kai music is by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. Karate Kid music is by Bill Conti. Rate our show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice to help grow our listenership. Email us at karatekidpod at gmail.com with questions and comments. Or find us on social media. Use the Twitter handle at karatekidpod. This podcast is independently produced by Geckring Media. 